I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. It is Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan. No Sparky today. Toby Altizer alongside Adam Roberts here in the Lakeland University studios. Lakeland University offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. I do want to talk a little bit about the Open Championship coming up later this week. Yesterday on the afternoon show, talked with Bob Herrig from Sports Illustrated. Interested to hear what he had to say about Tiger Woods. And maybe it's a little more of just a pipe dream that he could win at this point. So I do want to talk about his chances, but also want to update you on the Milwaukee Brewers. Currently, they are tied at a run apiece heading into the bottom of the sixth inning. The only run for the Brewers coming courtesy of a Jace Peterson big fly. Oh, boy. Jace Peterson sends a drive to center field, heading back. Over the wall and gone. Call it, Woody. That's your boy. Yeah, that'll be Jace. We are. He's on the hole. Number eight on the season for Jace. Ties the score at one. And there you had it, the call courtesy of YouTube. Sorry, it is the top of the sixth inning. And the Twins just made a pitching change, one-to-one heading into the top of the sixth. So we'll see. We'll keep you updated on anything happening there. One thing I did want to talk about really quick, Adam, can you bring up exactly who was brought up again for, for the Brewers? I know Keston Hero was sent down. I can't remember the pitcher's name. But Keston here is sent down to AAA for a reliever. His name is <laughs> Drum roll, please. As I I have it. Uh there we go. Okay. Took me a second. So Keston here option down to Nashville and up from the Sounders relief pitcher Connor Sadzek. Okay. So Connor Sadzek. He comes up, and he's had a solid year in AAA. I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about him, but a solid year in AAA. They needed an arm, so they bring him up. The curious move for me is Keston Hira being sent down to AAA. He's actually been hitting the ball fairly well recently, especially over the last couple weeks, the last month or so. So kind of curious as to why they would decide that sending Keston Hira down would be the best option, because... 
I think I can see some of the reasoning as to why, and I'll bring that up here in just a second. But it seemed to me like it might have made sense to make either one of two moves instead. So Christian Yelich is not in the lineup today, and he wasn't in the lineup yesterday with a little bit of a back flare-up, which is never a good thing to hear, Christian Yelich and his back flaring up. So I would have thought that maybe you could have just sent him on a 10-day IL stint and have him basically miss this twin series and then have him miss the Giants series and come back after the All-Star break. They didn't decide on that. And then the other one that you could think is, this is more so a reactionary move to yesterday's game, but if you were going to do this, why wouldn't you have just left Renfro on the IL for an extra day or two or even through the All-Star break, just to give him a little extra time. Because even listening to the broadcast yesterday, they were saying that Renfro's not 100%, and he's going to come back and kind of be as a every other day or whatever till the All-Star break, because he just wanted a little bit of time before coming back after the All-Star break. I question sending Keston Hira down. Now, the reason that they would do this, you have Carlos Rodon and Alex Wood on the mound. They're projected to start for the San Francisco Giants coming up the next two games. Those are both lefty starters, and that would probably be the reason why they decided on Keston Hira. He has options left. You send him down. He's not great against lefties anyways, so you kind of avoid some of those lefties coming up and facing him. I still don't know that I 100% agree with this, but here we go. That's what the Brewers have done. They've sent down Keston Hira, brought up, what's his name again? Sadzek? Connor Sadzek. Yeah, Connor Sadzek in his place. So you'll have another reliever, which I guess is a positive thing, but I I, I still think that maybe leaving Keston Hira in the bigs, especially since he's been hitting the ball pretty well, considering what some of the other guys in this lineup have been doing, I might have left him up, but that's what they ultimately decided to do. All right, I do want to talk about the Open Championship coming up later this week kicks off or tees off tomorrow early in the morning if you want to check that out. I love watching European golf when it's a big time like this because it's so early in the morning and it's like it's almost like watching Wimbledon. You have breakfast at Wimbledon, drink your cup of coffee, watch Wimbledon. Now you got this. You drink your cup of coffee, eat your breakfast, eat an early brunch or whatever you want to do and you can watch some golf. That's a very bougie sounding morning. For both of those events, just sipping on a nice cup of tea while you watch the Open. I love it. I love it. I love it. And the main polarizing figure over there is obviously Tiger Woods. Whenever he tees it up for an event, he's going to be the number one story of any tournament he's in. And he's in a tournament over there. And so I want to get some of his comments and ask you, do you think that there's any real chance that he could win this thing? Do you think there's any real chance that Tiger could win the Open Championship this week? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM, the fan. And I was talking with Bob Herrig yesterday and bringing up, it, it just, the feel around this tournament, I'm not even over there, so I can't even imagine what it's like being over there, but the feel around this tournament just feels more special than it usually is. And Tiger had a press conference yesterday ahead of the Open Championship, and he kind of agreed with that sentiment. It feels more historic than it normally has, and it's hard to believe that, you know, because we are coming back to the home of golf, and it is history every time we get a chance to play here. And, you know, it's hard to believe it. It's been 150 years we played this tournament, and it's just incredible, the, the history behind it, the champions that have won here, and... Uh, uh, as I said, it's hard to believe it. it's, more, it's more historic, but it really is. It does feel like that. Um, th this does feel like it's the, the biggest Open Championship we've ever had. And you can hear just the way he talks about this tournament and this course. There's like a reverence for him about it. And I think, I don't know that I feel like he has a chance to win this week. It is Tiger Woods, so you can't really rule the guy out because he's the greatest golfer of all time, in my opinion. You rule him out, and you know what's going to happen. He's going to turn it around. You're going to have the same thing that happened in the 2019 Masters, and he's going to find some miracle and win the thing. So I'm never going to say count the guy out, but it almost feels like 
this was a milestone for him to just get back and play here. You know, in the presser, he also talks about how he got back from load-bearing basically six weeks before the Masters to playing Augusta and making the cut, and that felt like an accomplishment in and of itself for him, and so he was happy to just make the cut at the Masters. And that's not necessarily the Tiger that we all know, not the guy that's thrilled to just make a cut. And maybe at this point he's competing against himself and his own expectations as opposed to the rest of the field, and maybe once he gets a little healthier and gets fully healed on that leg or as healed as he's going to get on that leg, then maybe he gets back to trying to win tournaments. But part of me almost wants to give him a chance this week because of how much he wanted to get to this week, how much he's pointed that out. Well, it's interesting. I remember a few months ago during the Masters, at various times on the big show, Tiger would come up and especially those first couple of days, it seemed like throughout the course of the show, it would be, we start at the top of the hour and we're giving you a tiger check and seeing how he's doing. And every time that would happen, Leroy would go, oh, stop. Oh, stop. No one cares. No one cares. Why are we doing this? Man, I don't know if I've seen another person capture as much attention of that sports collective audience Mm -hmm. than Tiger does with golf. So yes, people do care. And we got a lot of varying degree of people's responses. People care. Now, as far as what his actual expectations should be for this event, I think it's probably for me, I'd like to see him be at maybe slightly better than he was at Augusta. If he can maybe take this in... Just make the cut, at least. Take this into, like, day three, we get to Saturday, then what will happen will happen. Yeah. But if we have Saturday Tiger Golf at St. Andrews, something about that just feels like, man, is it 2005, 2004 again? Yeah. Am I 11 years old with my driven poster up on my ceiling? Yeah, and you're right that there's no one that maybe captivates their sport more singularly than Tiger Woods because have you heard anything about the world number one this week Scotty Scheffler have you heard anything about the guy that won the U.S. Open <sighs> Matt Fitzpatrick <sighs> you heard anything about John Rahm those guys you you just haven't you you know it's crazy you haven't even heard about Phil Mickelson You've heard Tiger, you've heard Tiger, 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 Tiger. And then when they're not talking about Tiger, they're talking about the golf course. Or live. Yeah, or live. And and that's really what's been talked about. But this right here, I I got two sound bites from Tiger Woods. This is why I almost feel like there's a chance. I think that there's the conditions might play favorable to him, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. But hearing these couple of comments from Tiger Woods – almost make me think that he's going to have a chance to compete. For the most part of the, my rehab was just the, I was hoping that I, I could walk again, you know, walk normal and, um, and have a, a normal life and maybe play a little hit and giggle golf, you know, with my son or my friends at home. Um, but lo and behold, I'm, I've played championship golf this year and uh once i realized that i could possibly play at, at a high level you know my my focus was to get back here at st andrews to uh play in in this championship being as i said it's the most historic one we've ever had and uh i just didn't want to miss this open you know here at the home of golf this has meant so much to me this is where i completed the career grand slam um at the time i had the, the record and scoring in all, all four major championships. So it it meant a lot to me. And this venue has meant a lot. Uh, I remember coming around here, my, my very first practice round, I couldn't believe how like stupidly hard this place is because I played every hole into the wind. I happened to have the tide change and I played every hole in the wind. I'm like, where do you drive some of these par fours? And I, this this is not what people say it is. And all of a sudden it changes, and I see, you know, you say, oh, cool. these bunkers are now in play. I said, well, it's, it's amazing at the ingenuity that they had then that um, this golf course has stood the test of time to the best players. And as long as we've gotten collectively as a field, um, this golf course is still a challenge. And it's clear that he circled St. Andrews, that he wanted to come back there. 
after his rehab, after everything, he wanted to make sure he was at this Open Championship. And I kind of made this comment when we talked about Augusta, talked about the PGA Championship when he played at Southern Hills as well, and that Tiger Woods... He, he wanted to win those tournaments. Don't get me wrong. And you're going to ask him in the press conference, and he's going to say, yeah, I think I got a chance to win. Why else would I be here? And I think he sort of means it, but I think in reality what he wanted to say was, I want to play here. I want to play well. I want to see what my game's at because I want to be competitive and I want to try and win at the Open Championship at St. Andrews. And the reason I feel like he wanted to do that is because I don't think Augusta is ever going to suit him again because of how hilly it is and just the tough walk it already is, much less a guy that's had a reconstructed leg, basically, have to try and walk around there. So that's going to be difficult. You had Southern Hills. It's got hills in the name. You you saw the elevation uh-huh. changes there. He didn't play in the U.S. Open preparing for this. St. Andrews does not have huge elevation changes. Now, it does very uneven ground, very hilly and or, or not hilly is not the right word, but it's not flat walk. There's little bits of bumps and what different berms and all the different things that happen in link style golf, but it's not the huge elevation changes. And one more tiger comment that makes me think that he spent his time preparing for this tournament. And it almost, almost gives me hope that we could have another, repeat of 2019 Masters where he's competing. This comment particularly right here. I don't know if what my career is going to be like. You know, as I told you, I'm not going to play a full schedule ever again. Uh, my body won't, just won't allow me to do that. So um, I don't know how many Open Championships I have left here at St. Andrews, um, but I wanted this one. Um, you know, it, it started here for me and in 95 and if it ends here in 22 it does if it doesn't it doesn't if i get the chance to play one more it'd be great um but there's no guarantee he wants this open championship you heard it in those answers you can hear it in his voice the way he talks about the course the tournament itself he wants this tournament bad i don't think correct me if i'm wrong toby but back around april he he speaks with so much reverence for this particular golf course didn't sound like he was had all that many positive things to say about Augusta. Not that he doesn't like playing there, but comparing A with B, Augusta with St. Andrews, sure. it sounds in his voice, like even if it's just in his usual deadpan tiger voice, it sounds like he's excited to get out on the course on Thursday. Oh, 100%. And he said it before. This is his favorite golf course. This is his favorite golf course. Playing at St. Andrews, the old course there, is his favorite golf course. And so I I get where you're coming from with the Augusta. He loves the Masters, but there's something special for him about playing at the old course at St. Andrews for the Open Championship. It's the 150th Open. He got to play in the little ceremonial thing, four-hole match they did the other day with Lee Trevino and guys like that. Jack Nicholas and him took a picture on the 18th bridge. I think he wants this one the most out of maybe any other championship he's ever going to play in the rest of his career, he might want this more than any other one. And that's why I think he's got a shot this week. He's put in the effort. You know, he hasn't been able to play competitive golf. He hasn't been out on the PGA Tour or even playing in European Tour events. He hasn't played really competitive golf. But what he has done is leading up to Augusta and the PGA Championship, he played a little bit. But he's played even more golf than he did there leading up into this tournament, almost to the point that I was like, Tiger, you overdoing it a little bit? I think he took the day off today, but he's played 40, 50-some holes already this week. I'm sure he's out doing some short game work and stuff today. I I think once you get him out on the course, he might have a little rust for that first nine. Bob Herrick talked about how he played 18 last Saturday or Sunday, and he, he was a little rusty, but once he kind of got everything going, it looked like Tiger was you know, kind of a little more comfortable in his stride, in his golf game. And I think once you get him into it on Thursday, maybe it's a few holes or whatever to get into it, but once he gets into it, you'll be good. And here's the thing. If he's in contention on Sunday, everyone's going to know it. Every single player in that field's going to know it. And if he's in contention on that Sunday afternoon, 
the other guys are going to feel the pressure more than they've ever felt because there's something different when Tiger Woods is contention on Sunday as opposed to any other guy. When he's in contention, everybody wants Tiger to win. Not to mention, my Twitter feed will be filled if he is in there on Sunday with all of your tweets as you follow along hole for hole with his progress, and I probably would do the same thing. I also noted in one of those cuts you played, he mentioned he was playing with his son, and they were playing, I think he called it, hit and giggle golf. Very (laughs) close to saying something very bad. But uh, I also relate to that. That was what I was playing the other week at Blue Mound, what I call hit and giggle golf, as in I hit the ball, and then the rest of the foursome giggles. Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> it was not a great outing for I'm me last time out. I'm used to that. I, I do want to talk about this just a little bit more. I do want to replay what Marcus Johnson had to say on the big show as well. But I want to get to your guys' thoughts. If you want to hop in, 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250AM. The fan, I'll talk a little bit more about why I think St. Andrews fits Tiger Woods and why if he's going to win a tournament, it'll probably be St. Andrews. This week. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Sparky's Midday Madness will roll on here on 1250 AM, The Fan. 1250 AM, The Fan. It is Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Adam Roberts talking about golf. How about that? Talking about golf here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Do you think that Tiger Woods has a chance to win at the Open Championship this week? 414-799-1250, or you can tweet us at 1250 AM. I think there needs to be a couple things that happen for Tiger to have a chance to win this week. I've already laid out how I think he's extra motivated. He wants this tournament specifically, so I think in that aspect... Tiger has put in the effort. He's done everything that he physically, mentally can do to be ready for this tournament. I think he's going to have to rely on some factors that are clearly out of his control to be able to win this thing. First, I think the scoring needs to be relatively low compared to what it could be. You know, if it's going to be a tournament that's won at 18 under par, I don't see Tiger winning it. But if it's it's already supposed to be tough out there because the fairways are running faster than the greens, he said. Uh, I've seen him talking about that. It's windy. It's supposed to be windy throughout the week. And if it plays like that, I think Tiger will have a chance because I think he needs it to be a tournament one, maybe around 10 under par, 11 at most, somewhere around there. Because if it gets into a birdie fest, he just doesn't have the length to keep up with some of these guys. But if it requires some of his acumen in short game and shot making and putting and all the different things that go into winning on a Lynx golf course at times, I think Tiger can win it that way with his very, very vast knowledge of the golf course and his different ways that he can play his golf shots. But if it just turns into a birdie fest and it rains maybe or it's calm weather or whatever the case may be for the field and you start seeing low scores, I don't think Tiger's going to be there. So, Toby, I have some statistics to help us out a little bit here and see if this is even realistically possible, courtesy of golfcare.uk. Okay. So it's a .uk. I think they know a thing or two about the Open Championship. Sure. So... We're looking at some of the averages of that. They ask the question, what makes an open champion? And then they have some numbers that we can break down. The average winning score for a round at the open, and this is not just St. Andrews, this is all the courses they rotate through nine under or a 276. Yeah, I think you could win at nine under. An average winner in an open champion will have about 17 birdies. Um,. Yeah, I could see him doing that. Again, real quick, on this golf course, it's an interesting one, 14 par 4s, only two par 3s, only two par 5s. And a lot of it, if there were no weather conditions at all, if it were just calm, pretty much a driver wedge for a majority of the field. So they're going to have some chances, but the weather is going to play a big deal here. Do you know little trivia question, what the lowest versus par score at an Open Championship was? 18 under. Close. It's actually even lower than that. Really? Minus 20. Henrik Stenson. Wow. 2016. Where was that at? Uh, give me one second. 
I can look it up real quick. Don't worry about it. What what else you got with that? Oh, uh, yes. Back to the numbers. So 17 birdies. You think that he is capable of a 17 birdie four four day round? Yeah, absolutely. Because he, uh, in his practice rounds over the weekend, he drove the 18th green, just like a lot of guys will probably end up doing. So, yeah, I mean, I think he can. Uh, let's see. Bogey numbers. And uh, every time I've seen Tiger play in the last few tournaments, those have seemingly, unfortunately, been up, up, up. Uh, nine bogeys per four days for an average Open champion. 2016 was played at Royal Troon. So okay. another one that was played in Scotland. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the thing is pretty much for any golfer that wants to compete this week is making sure you eliminate the big numbers. You cannot – the fairways are wide, it, it pretty big. Don't get yourself stuck in a pot bunker because that can be disastrous. And don't get yourself way offline and find yourself in the bushes or in the fescue. Exactly. that is where the big numbers can come from. If you're on the fairway and you're giving yourself chances to at least just run it up onto the green, you're going to be fine this week. And I think since the greens are going to be a little bit slower because they have to keep them that way because of the, the slopes in the greens, then I think guys will be able to score. It's just making sure you avert that risk and give yourself chances. If you can limit your bogeys this week, maybe you could see some lower scores. And generally at the Open at St. Andrews, you do see some lower scores. The average number of fairways hit by Open winners over the last 20 years is 38 total. So you're absolutely right. Tiger has a number of his drives have seemingly gone off fairway or more than we're used to seeing. Jordan's speed, I, I love stats, and I just love random little tidbits like this, mm-hmm. so this kind of website's fascinating to me. Jordan Spieth in 2017 only hit 24 fairways. Well, and that's one thing that you can probably get away with here. If you miss the fairway and you're just in the rough, that's fine. If you get in that tall stuff, that's going to be a problem, and generally to get it in the tall stuff, you're well offline. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting tournament to watch this week. I really hope that he's able to contend. I think it's going to be intriguing to see some of the other guys too. What do we see out of the live golfers this week? Do we see them contend? And Tiger had some comments about that as well. I don't think we need to rehash any more of that. I don't. I want to focus on the actual golf going on. I don't want to focus on all the live stuff and the different comments that have been made about that. But I think it's going to be an interesting tournament to watch. If you're into golf, you can check it out tomorrow morning starting out and uh, each morning because it's going to be on early. It's going to be on early since it's over in Scotland. But I think that's going to be a fun tournament to watch. Hopefully Tiger can contend. Be interesting to see if Phil can get back on track. Maybe Jordan Spieth can add another major. Is Scotty Scheffler going to be up there at the top of the leaderboard again? Or will Will Zalatoris finally break through and actually win one of these things he contends it seems like at every major he plays but is he actually going to win one that'll be interesting to keep an eye on as well all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back earlier today on the big show marcus johnson former bucks great valley sports wisconsin bucks analyst he joined the show to talk about this bucks team and marjon bochamp and the the draft pick and the offseason they've had and get his thoughts on that we'll talk to him coming up next here on sparky's midday madness presented by the milwaukee admirals this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. I'm Toby Altizer in for Steve Sparky Pfeiffer on Sparky's Midday Madness presented by the Milwaukee Admirals alongside Adam Roberts here in the Lakeland University studios. Earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show, the one and only Marcus Johnson joined the guys to talk about the Bucks offseason and various things that they've done. And they got his thoughts on Marjon Bochamp and what he's looked like so far in the summer league. First of all, Lorenzo Romar, who coaches at Pepperdine, was the coach at Washington when Marjan was middle school, one of the top-ranked players in the country as a 7th, 8th grader. And so I spoke with Lorenzo yesterday, and he just brought him up out of the blue and said that, that was his guy. He just loved his motor, his instincts. Marjan, I think, played for Brandon Roy, I believe. Got to double-check that for, for, for accuracy. This is what Lorenzo Romar told me, so I'm going to put it on him. But he's at Nathan Hale High School in Seattle is one of his stops, played with Michael Porter Jr. I think that one year they might have been number one in the country. So my point is he's got some really good, solid basketball pedigree. He's played at a really high level against high-level competition for a long, long time and has been good. You, you guys know how it is. When, when somebody's been good, you know, since middle school, they've just been good and better than everybody else. So that, so that breeds a certain a level of confidence. Watching him in the summer league, I spoke with his coach, uh, Jason Hart, last night, coming down the elevator here at the hotel in Las Vegas, and uh, he coached him with the Ignite, D-League Ignite. He loves him because he's just starting to scratch the, the surface of his potential in terms of what he was doing in the uh, in the league. I think he averaged 17, 18 points a game, if I'm not mistaken, which is, which is, a, nice, which is a nice amount. It's not like he's just mm-hmm. strictly this defensive guy that has no offense whatsoever. So what I'm seeing, I love his instinct. I love his length, obviously. I love that that that, that, that I won't say three and D. He's more just kind of D, slowly developing that catch and shoot three point shot. Though he's looked good on a few of them. Uh, he's been, yeah, understandably inconsistent. But overall, I think he is just the kind of player in that kind of West Matthews mold, uh, but longer, taller, where you're playing great D. And if you can knock down some catch and shoot three pointers, I love the way the Bucks, the Bucks are using him in the summer league and not making him the focal point of the offense. You know, they're, they're making him get his points off of drawing kicks in the same type of situations that he'll see when he does get on the floor with the Milwaukee Bucks. So overall, I mean, you know, I give him a B, B plus maybe. I mean, you know, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement, uh, but, but I'm really, really intrigued to just see how good this young man can be. So I think it's a really, really good draft pick. Marcus, is, it, is this a project pick, meaning that may not get much playing time during the season? Uh, it just depends, man. You know, um, that's where it looks like it's headed right now, July 13th as we speak. Yeah. But again, he brings a certain – and again, with the Bucks, you just never know. I mean, Gus Matthews, mid, what is West, 35 maybe at this point. Yeah. You just never know what's going to happen with the, with the wings ahead of him. And right. uh, this is a team that could use an infusion of youth. I mean, I, I was a big, they do, big, agree. Fan of a, big fan of Jordan War. You know, every time you put Jordan in, in a game where he's playing 30, 35 minutes, he's scoring 25, 28 points. But defensively, he wasn't giving the Bucks what they needed, especially playing with that first unit. I think this young man, because of his understanding of, of, of what he could do defensively, uh, could very well be thrown into the mix early on to see what he can do. Uh, and uh, the offense is, is limited, obviously, but with the Bucks and the guy, kind of guys we have that can produce points between Giannis and Chris and Drew and Brooke and the whole crew, um, you know, offense is an afterthought for him. Uh, Marcus Leroy Butler, uh, Pat Content gets the, gets the extension. Um, Bobby Portis, who I'm a big fan of. It seemed like the uh, Bucks want to try to run that thing back. Cause they, I mean, with Chris Milton, we know it would be different, who also had um, – left-handed wrist surgery, had wrist surgery, which was a surprise. Yeah. People that kind of shocked people, but it seemed like they want to keep the team, the core of the team together and feel like they can compete with Boston, who was able to upgrade with Gallinari and Brogdon. Yeah, no, I mean, that was uh, good news by, by Boston. Um, you know, if Malcolm can, can stay healthy, which has been an issue for him, 
he should help them, even though I'm not, you know, quite certain who's going to be the starting unit, the closing unit with Marcus Smart, you know, defending mm-hmm. defensive player of the year. Gallinari, I've always loved him. He was born August 8th, 1988, so he's an eight guy, eight, eight, eight. You know, I think his number's 88 or something. So, you know, that's my my my, my favorite number. But talking about, um, you know, the Bucks and what they're doing, Bobby Porter's coming back, Pat Connaughton, extension he just signed, bringing back Wes Matthews, bringing back Javon Carter. I didn't know he'd be the odd man out. Bringing back Serge Ibaka, who didn't show us a lot last year, but, um, you know, and, and had some injury issues. I'm not sure how much that impacted his ability to, to really play like he can. So I think the, 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 the approach, I think, which is a good approach, is like, look, you know, if Chris Middleton does not go down with that knee issue against Chicago, we take Boston to seven games, we could very well have made it to the uh, NBA Finals ourselves. And so uh, I like that approach, run it back, see what we got. And then if it doesn't work out this coming season, getting back to the NBA Finals, West, uh, Eastern Conference Finals uh, minimum, uh, then maybe it's time to look to go in some different directions. But it's too it's premature to do that right now, to kind of kind of change mm-hmm. my cylinders. I didn't mention him. You know, he's got some, uh, I think, uh, knee issues or whatever, but he should be, uh, you know, uh, full form by the time the season gets in the swing. So, he can help this team shoot the ball, pass the ball, smart player, big wing at 6'8". So, I mean, I like our roster on paper. I think our, our roster is better than last year. And then you factor in Chris being healthy, uh, coming off that wrist surgery, hopefully by the time the season starts. And uh, we should be right in the mix. Marcus, this is a question for most of the AAU kids or high school kids that one day want to be in the NBA with you. But I'm talking about the youth. Uh, in your opinion, uh, which would be an expert opinion. How do you start a kid? If you had to pick one, I mean, I know people are going to say both, but it just seemed like to me, kids put more emphasis on dribbling, crossing over behind the back between the legs, but they can't shoot. Or do you put more <laughs> emphasis in shooting? Cause you can always get your handles later, but I think the, I, there's no art to shooting anymore. It's all about, can you cross a guy over and make him fall, but you don't yeah. make the shot? So what would you think if you had to pick one more shooting or ball handling? <laughs> well, I mean, shooting is always, I look, I was talking to my daughter who's 12 years old, Shiloh. She's got a great coach, Jerrica Williams, who's uh, taking over a premier program in the country, uh, Winwood High School out in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. She coached at the Detroit Country Day the last couple of years, coached Dwayne Casey's daughter, the coach of Michigan's daughter. They've been to a couple of final fours back in Michigan the last two years. But she talked about, teaching these kids you know, where to go north-south as opposed to east-west. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So now everybody wants to sidestep, jump or, or through the yep. leg behind the back and, and yep. kind of going east-west. Her thing is rip through, get, by your, get that shoulder by your defender, and then a hard one-two finish at the rim. But also she works with my daughter on a, that shooting gun or whatever it's called. You know, she wants my daughter to shoot 500 a day. I told her that was a little bit too much. So we started out at 300 a day at 12 years old. And so shooting gives these youngsters at, at that age a whole different level of confidence and able to shoot consistently. But it, it, all, it all works together. You got to be at the ball handle to get your shot off. Mm-hmm. But my thing is you don't teach so much of the – uh, fancy Dan kind of dribbling techniques and all the crossovers and all of this and behind the back through the leg stuff. So they never use it. They never use it in games. It's all about catch, rip through, get by, and finish. So stick to the basics, but also put a real premium on teaching them balance and, 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 and elbow position and, and the follow through and, and all that good stuff that, uh, that, 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 that makes for good shooting technique. And there's, just, there's no substitute for being a great shooter in today's game of basketball. Talking with Marcus Johnson, Bucks TV analyst for Valley Sports Wisconsin. Bucks legend. Got the jersey hanging up at Fiserv Forum. Follow him on Twitter uh, at Old School 888. Uh, this Middleton uh, surgery on his non shooting hand. When it comes out, everybody's like, ah, it's his non shooting hand. That's Who right. cares? That's right. But wait a second. I, I got a question. <laughs> I'm kind of old, right? No, so you're a warrior. I mean, I don't remember ever really seeing a lot of dudes playing with a cast or something on their non-shooting hand and still playing basketball. Even though it's on his non-shooting hand, does that mean that if this was the regular season, he'd still be able to play because it's on his non-shooting hand? I think it just depends on the severity of, of, of what was going on. Now, any kind of surgery... A uh, wrist surgery like that, very doubtful. I mean, you know, if it's a finger or something in the hand, maybe, but you just always worried about him trying to break a fall if he goes down and, 
And I don't know how much support, any kind of cast you can put on that thing to protect to protect it adequately. So it's always about, you know, erring on the side of, of caution. Uh, I, I don't know how this happened. I, I don't want to speculate, but, but I would assume, and this is just straight assumption on my part, I don't know if it's, it doesn't sound like it was something that had been built up during the course of the season. I think he would have addressed it uh, sooner. It may have been something that transpired, and we'll probably find out uh, down the road at some point, but probably something that happened, uh, you know, postseason with him working out or playing or doing something that uh, that, that caused some damage. But uh, the good thing is that they, they got it early enough. Uh, it's not going to impact him missing games uh, during the course of the season or too many games, it looks like. And, uh, and for me, with Chris Middleton, as much as he played last year's championship straight to the Olympics, I'm all for Chris, you know, taking all the time he needs to come in refreshed and body feeling good and, and body healed, healing up. And I think this happening the way it did, the timing that it happened, is it, it, it's not the worst thing in the world to happen for the Bucks and Chris Middleton. Let me ask you this real quick, Marcus, not to put you on spot, though, but you did mention earlier, and I do agree with you, that the team is getting older than you think. I mean, Middleton's going to be in his 30s, and, and you look at uh, Holiday is going to be in his 30s. Uh, Young's going to be a little bit younger. How The window of opportunity, is how open is this one opportunity to try to get another championship for, for this big three of players that they have? Well, man, I, I think okay, this is it, but this might be it. You know what I mean? I mean, this year... It will tell a lot. And look, all you got to do is look at LeBron and Chris Paul and, and yeah. some of these other guys who are well into their 30s who are able yeah. to what – they, what they do in terms of, 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 of science and, and training and, and diet, they got their own personal chefs. And, and, you know, my son was telling me he had, uh, he had dinner with some Toronto people, uh, Masai Ujiri and some of his people, Earl Watson, Rico Hines, UCLA guys. They have 20 coaches. For 17 players Jeez. in Toronto, 20 coaches for 17 players, and so that's today. My point is, is that you know, there's so much pampering and 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 understanding and, and emphasis on prolonging careers now. So I wouldn't put it past a Chris or a, a Drew or some of these guys to be able to be effective 34, 35 year old players. But at the same time, I really believe. I mean, just looking at the way this team is constructed right now. And if it doesn't happen this year, there's going to be not significant moves, but the team, John Horst, who's always active, will, will look to, to make a, a tweak here and there in terms of who he brings in the following season. So I think this year is a big year, and if the team is able to succeed and get to the finals, win a championship this year, then, uh, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But this window, the, the window of opportunity goes from a window to a porthole to a peephole. I don't think it's a peephole yet. It's kind of like a porthole right now. It's a little bit bigger than a peephole, but it's getting smaller and smaller. They heard from Bucks legend Marcus Johnson earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday? Get a deal done with Pat Connaughton, an extension. Talk about that next here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Toby Altizer in for him alongside Adam Roberts on 1250 AM. The Fan. 12.50 a.m. The fan, it is Sparky's Midday Madness, presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. I'm Toby Altizer. That is Adam Roberts. We're live from the Lakeland University studios. Lakeland University offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Yesterday, the Milwaukee Bucks got an extension done with... Pat Connaughton. I think that was a good deal. And part of the reason that he probably opted in to begin with, that extension is for three years and $28.5 million. So now his deal is for the next four seasons, $34 million. And I, I think it's good that you're able to get that deal done with Pat Connaughton to have him back. He's a big part of this basketball team. And I think one thing that we tend to underrate when we talk about these different teams and players and roster construction is the impact these guys have in the locker room and the chemistry that they've built. And the Bucks have done a good job of keeping together this core that they've had for a couple seasons now that they've been able to build a chemistry. They won a championship together and they've been able to keep them all 
still in town. You have Bobby Portis. He opts into his player option, and he ends up signing a big deal. So that was good. Or he opted out of his player option and then signed a big deal and came back. Sorry on that. But good to see him back. You have Pat Connaughton getting this extension, and it's a good thing to keep these guys within the organization. Read a little bit of Eric Names' piece talking with Bobby Portis about coming back to Milwaukee, and one thing that he said is they let Bobby be Bobby. And that's an important thing for these players is they want to be able to be themselves. I think you've seen that to an extent with the Brewers and Willie Adamas and other things around the the Milwaukee landscape. You've seen that specifically too, like Bobby Porter said, with him. You know, he's been able to kind of thrive in the role that he's been given. He's been able to kind of carve out exactly what he wants to be in this league. And he's been able to show that emotion that he kind of feeds off of, and it's able to give the team energy. And bringing back a guy like Pat Connaughton is huge because he's been a big part of this franchise. He's been a big part of the run to the finals. He was a big part of this team last year, and he looked even better going into last season, into the postseason last year. He'd really improved, it seemed like, and hopefully he can continue to do that, but he's going to be a big part of this franchise. And you're going to keep running it back with, Giannis, Drew, and Chris, and keeping some of these role players around them. And I think that's fine. I think that's the way to go. You know, we talked about it yesterday. How would you rate their offseason? And, you know, whatever grade you want to give them, the positive thing is this team was, for a lot of people, in a lot of people's opinions, a Chris Middleton, a healthy Chris Middleton away from beating the Celtics, moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals, and hopefully ending up winning the NBA Finals. And so they made sure to keep the guys that they needed to around Giannis, Chris, and Drew, and they've kept that whole unit together so that if you have a healthy Chris Middleton next year, if you have the luck of keeping everyone healthy, then you're going to have a chance to win it again next year. And I I think they're going to be right there again. You know, Giannis isn't going to let this team slack off. Giannis is driven to get better and better, and I mean, I can only imagine how much better Giannis is even going to be next year because we saw what happened from the year they won the finals to last year and how much it seemed like Giannis had improved, and he had a incredibly short offseason. And I don't, I don't know when he found time to work on his game. Now he's had a longer offseason, a more normal offseason, and he's going to be able to kind of work on his game, rehab, be able to get healthy, and I'm interested to see if he looks even better going into this year. And that's got to give you a lot of faith as a Bucks fan that you have your best player in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he just wants to continue to get better and better. It's not about complacency with him and just making it easy. He wants to continue to improve. He wants to continue to be a reason that this team can continue to win. He wants to be the driving force. He wants to be the leader in that sense. And I know Chris Middleton had a surgery, and that was reported on in the, on his wrist, his non-shooting hand. Again, if there's a time for you to have those sort of things, right now would be the time to do it. You'd rather that now than during the season, so not too worried about that. But I, I'm excited to see what this team can do next season. I think they can be right back there. Now, you have the Celtics that improved by bringing in a couple guys, specifically Malcolm Brogdon, which I think is a big move for them because they – they kind of lacked that backup point guard. Derek White is nice. He's fun, but he's not someone that can give you great play at the point guard position. And now you get it so that if you need to take whoever's going to run the point out, you can have Malcolm Brogdon there. I assume he's going to start. But you can have him and Marcus Smart kind of trade off and run the point there. And I think that's going to work out well for the Celtics. But are they going to be able to recreate that magic and how well they played together again next season? I'm not so sure. You know, that's one thing that we talked about during their run is they were just playing incredibly well. You know, I don't know that it was necessarily that they had the best team. I don't know that it was that they had the best player, any of those sort of things. I think it was just sometimes you can't quantify, but they're just playing well. And and that's what happened with the Celtics this past season, are they going to be able to do that again this year? I'm not sure that they will. And so I'm interested to see what happens with these teams in the Eastern Conference, and I think it's probably just going to be back down to those two teams. you got so much uncertainty out in Brooklyn 
what's going to happen with Kevin Durant, what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. I don't know if I want to count them out just yet, because what if they do just run it back with those guys, then maybe they'll be right there again. But even so, we saw what they were able to do this year, and it wasn't a whole lot compared to what they did the previous season. So I, I don't know that I want to say that they're going to be right there, but the Bucks, they return their guys. They bring back everything that they needed to win the championship one time. What's to make you think that they couldn't do it again? One thing that I thought was interesting coming off of that Marcus Johnson interview with the Big Show earlier that you just heard here on Sparky's Midday Madness was the fact that he, he talked about that window not being super long. And I think that is the reality of this. You know, this isn't the thing like the Warriors where they were able to build something that they could keep winning and winning and winning pretty much with the same sort of unit together for seven, eight years. I don't think the Bucks have that. They have an older basketball team, and hopefully they're able to continue winning, but I think it's going to have to be in this shorter time span. This isn't going to be a team that continues to get better and better and winning and winning down into the next decade. I think this is a window where you have Giannis, you have Chris, you have Drew, Chris and Drew both in their 30s. You need to win right now while these guys are still here. I'm sure that John Horst will do a good job of building up once that time comes and you move on from some of these guys. But even so, I think it just adds a little more urgency to this time right now to try and win this thing, and I think they can. absolutely think they can. All right, that'll do it for Sparky's Midday Madness presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll start the fan afternoon show with me, Toby Altizer, and Sam Schmitz is back, so we'll celebrate that as well. Coming up on the fan afternoon show next. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 